helping you live well, stay well, while keeping pace with today's rapidly changing healthcare environment. That's Summit Medical Group. And now it's time for SMG Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. Do you know what really causes depression? And it may not be as simple as you think. Most people associate the words clinical depression with what's popularly called chemical imbalance as though we have too much or too little of a single brain chemical when in fact depression is in an individual is often caused by a perfect storm of several issues coming together to create this mood disorder. My guest today is Dr. Amanda Starling. She specializes in mood and anxiety disorders, body image, women's issues and mindful meditation at Summit Medical Group. Welcome to the show, Dr. Starling. So tell us a little bit about depression. What might someone, what might be a red flag? What might signal that somebody is suffering from not just occasional sadness, but real true depression? Well, I think that you described it accurately. When when a normal person experiences a low mood or sadness, it might be something where they feel that sadness and it passes relatively shortly or they can identify why they're feeling sad and take appropriate steps to manage the situation to to deal with whatever the stressor, the trigger for their sadness is. Um, somebody with clinical depression experiences classic symptoms of uh, low concentration, low motivation, something called anhedonia, where things that you once enjoyed, you no longer enjoy as much or at all. And some of the biological symptoms of sleeplessness or um, too much sleep or under or overeating. And it's it really lasts for longer than what we'd say a day or two. It's usually at least about two weeks, and it interferes with your functioning. Um, when we say interfere with your functioning, it means that it's getting in the way of work. It's getting in the way of personal relationships. It's getting in the way with your ability to function as you normally would in your life. Um, so that would be the difference between somebody who's just experiencing some lowness, some low mood or sadness in somebody who might be experiencing depression. Um, I guess I should also note that a really big red flag would be if you are having negative thoughts of self-harm, um, either to yourself or to somebody else, if you are experiencing suicidal ideation, which is thoughts about wanting to die, which doesn't necessarily mean you intend to do it, but you're thinking about wanting to escape your situation or no longer feel the way that you do. So you have some thoughts about wanting to be dead. And if it exacerbates into some sort of plan or intent to do that, then it's really serious and you should seek uh, treatment or help immediately um, go to the hospital. But for most of us, it doesn't escalate to that point. It's just sort of a chronic state of feeling really down and feeling um, not yourself and as if you really can't function in your life the way that you want to. So if someone recognizes these things in themselves or in a loved one and they do go for help, what do you do for them? What's the first line of defense? Does it, Because we hear so much today, Dr. Starling, about antidepressant medications, and some people are very resistant to start on them. What, tell us a little bit about the treatment for depression. 
Sure. Well, um, so at our center, we do cognitive behavioral therapy, and that has been, um, research has shown that that's extremely effective, and it's usually the first line of defense for a mild to moderate depression. Um, so if you're feeling mildly depressed or moderately depressed, then going to uh, a cognitive behavioral therapist and working on the negative thoughts that you're feeling, changing some of the behaviors that you're engaging in that might be maintaining your depression or um, exacerbating it would be your first line of defense. You'd want to go, um, you know, if it's a loved one, you want to encourage them to go see someone who um, can do probably this form of therapy first because it's really proactive, tends to be short-term, and you get a lot of bang for your buck with CBT. It's, you're going to have an active goal-directive therapist who's really going to work on things with you. Um, and so I would encourage that. If it was a moderate um, kind of high you know, high, moderate to severe depression, that's when you want to think about medications because sometimes people are having so much trouble functioning at all that they really can't engage in the therapy the way we would like them to. So um, still, they might want to go see a therapist who can recommend that they have a psychiatric consult or they might want to make an appointment with a psychiatrist right away um, and get started on some medication so that they can get some symptom relief, but then they would still definitely want to engage in therapy because that's where the long-term um, changes are really going to happen. Um, the medication might take care of some of the biological components of the depression, and that can be extremely therapeutic or helpful. But then you also want to work on making some changes to your thinking and to your behavior um, and learning how to you know, tolerate certain feelings. And that's where you're going to get the most, uh, the most therapeutic uh, change. Long term. What is the therapy like? And is there still, do you think, if people are going through this therapy, is this something they keep to themselves? Do you feel that there's a stigma out there still about people who suffer from depression, that they don't want to tell anybody about it? What goes on in therapy? Well, um, unfortunately, there's still a mild stigma, but that has changed so dramatically, and I don't believe there should be any stigma. And I think more and more and more, um, if you were to survey the majority of people um, that, you know, are sort of knowledgeable about mental health, they would agree that depression is a very um, normal thing to go through at some point in your life. So, um, you know, in therapy, there's nothing to be afraid of or be intimidated by. You're going to be working with somebody who's going to be really trying to assess what it is that is bothering you, what you're struggling with, and to get in there with you and try to help you make some changes. Um, so, one of the big components of depression is having negative thoughts about yourself, having negative thoughts about the world and other people, and having negative thoughts about the future. That's really sort of the, the staple um, of the negative thoughts that, that, uh, that we work with. And so you'd want to work with a therapist who could help you identify what those negative thoughts were and then begin to either evaluate them, restructure them, change them, test them out, um, sort of uh, work on the thoughts because not all thoughts are necessarily true. Just because we have a negative thought doesn't mean it's true. And then we'd also be working on behaviors, which is what are some of the things that would improve your quality of life? So um, with depression, we know that people tend to start doing less things that make them feel either um, that bring them pleasure or that bring them a sense of accomplishment. So we call that mastery and pleasure. So a big part of the 
therapy is working on trying to increase um, activities that bring you either mastery or pleasure. Um, so you're working on the thoughts and you're also working on those behaviors. Um, so you might do some activity scheduling. You might work on trying to increase social relationships. You might work on trying to get out of a negative situation that just, um, you know, brings you down and is really hard for you to feel better in. Um, so it's it's proactive and um, it's effective. And there there really should not be any stigma associated with getting help when you're depressed. Um, everybody goes through low moods and situations in their life. And then some of us are more prone to depression, but it's just all the more reason to address it and work with somebody who can help you. So give us some tips on things people can do at home, some lifestyle things that they can do, and also cover a little bit of some alternative because there are a lot of things out there, fish oil, that have been said to help you know, mood disorders and help elevate mood. Do you agree with any of those? And what can we else do at home and throughout the life to help with those feelings? Well, um, one of the huge aspects of feeling better is to have a good so- social support system. Um, we know that, you know, there's, t- there's certain types of therapy actually that just work on increasing your interpersonal relationships. But if you have people in your life who are supports, one thing that you can do is you can reach out to your supports, right? You can either talk about what's going on, how you're feeling, or you can even just call somebody up to distract yourself to hear about what they're, they're doing. But you want to make sure you're in touch and doing activities or talking with people that you feel comfortable and close with. So joining activities, being part of groups, um, spending time with family, spending time with friends, I would say that's something that will definitely is is a protective factor um, for depression. Um, Another thing you can do is um, we know that activity, as in physical activity, really helps with depression um, when people are moving and they get some sort of movement, and that's what I like to call it. It doesn't have to be extreme hardcore exercise, but some some sort of movement, whether it's a class, it's going for walks, it's taking your dog for a walk, it is more formal, like going to the gym, um, that's something that can really help. Um, alternatives in terms of fish oil, the, my attitude towards that is if as, as long as it's not harmful. Um, I don't know all the research on different alternative medicines, but if something's not harmful, why not try it? Um, you know, you can always... Always check in with your doctor. Um, they should be abreast of, you know, whether it's a psychiatrist or a primary care doctor, they should sort of have some knowledge of whether something would be um, neutral to uh, helpful. And again, as long as it's not harmful, might as well try it. And I think just a general sort of active, um, you know, meaningful life, having things that you you feel are important to you um, and that you're doing, I think that, that, could, that could help. So in just the last minute, if you would, Dr. Starling, give listeners your best advice for those suffering with depression or loved ones that have depression and why they should come to Summit Medical Group for help. I think the best thing you can do for depression is to be brave enough to realize that you might be dealing with it and to ask for help and to come see somebody. The worst thing that could happen would be that you come in for an assessment and you and your therapist decide it's really not something to be concerned about and there really doesn't need to be anything um, that 
proactively that you do, but it's never going to hurt to come in and to talk about what you're experiencing. And the best case scenario is that you are able to identify something and you're able to work on it proactively with, with a person who's experienced, who's treated it before, who has an effective research-based um, way of helping people through depression, which again has been extremely effective, and, um, and to start to feel better and to start to learn some things that you can apply to your life to help you cope and manage with depression. Thank you so much. You're listening to SMG Radio. For more information, you can go to summitmedicalgroup.com. That's summitmedicalgroup.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.